I read now from John chapter 19. So they took Jesus, and he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others, one on either side, and Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription, for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, in Latin, and in Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, no, no, do not write the king of the Jews, but rather write, this man said, I am king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written, I have written. Although I want to suggest to you tonight that the way that Pilate said, it is written, or what I have written, I have written, is probably not quite the way that he responded to the Jews. Rather than what I have written, I have written, it was probably more like, what I've written, I've written. You see the difference. The second way that I read that, or spoke those words, was more representative of a spirit of contempt. Because at this point, Pilate is sick and tired of the Jews. He's sick of their squabbling. He's tired of all their disagreements. He's tired of the possibility, always among the Jews, that they would engage in insurrection against the Roman government. Always complaining, always griping about this and that, and now they're griping about this sign above Jesus' head. No, 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 no. Don't, don't write Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews, but rather write... He said he's king of the Jews. He claims that he's king of the Jews. But the fact of the matter is, Pilate, he's not our king. He may be others' king, but he's not our king. We have no king that we read earlier in the verses leading up to this. We have no king but Caesar. Caesar is our king, not this Jesus. And yet how different it was, if you think about it, five days before which was what we celebrate today is Palm Sunday, right? If you know anything about Palm Sunday, it gives us the account of Jesus riding into the capital of his people, Jerusalem, riding on a donkey. And the people were thrilled, many of them. Many of them, yes, did not know who Jesus was, but others thought they knew who Jesus was, that he is a great king, a great liberator. So as Jesus is riding into Jerusalem, they put palm branches on, uh, they're waving palm branches, and they put their coats on the road, and they cry out, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna means save now. Here comes our Savior, in other words. Here comes our Deliverer, our Rescuer, one who's going to uh, rescue us from the oppression of the Roman government. Right now we are not a free people, but now our King has come to bring us freedom. Now they disown him. 
not our king. So Pilate posts a sign above the head of Jesus. I want to reflect with you for just a moment on that sign. You know, I don't know if you know this, but it was not unusual for signs to be placed either above the heads or around the necks of those who were being crucified. It was a way of identifying these individuals and it was a way of telling those who were observing these criminals on the cross what exactly they did to deserve crucifixion, that terrible way of death. And really, if you think about it, when, when signs were posted above the heads or around the necks of these criminals on the cross, it was a way of publicly shaming them. And if you think about it, when you read the account, there was Jesus hanging on the cross, and he was, he was shamed from a number of directions. For instance, he was shamed from the standpoint of Roman soldiers who prepared him for crucifixion. So if you know that story, you remember that the soldiers mocked Jesus, and they, they beat him with their fists, and they slapped him around, and they said, ha, Hail, King of the Jews! Or you think of others like... Um, The, the chief priests, the leaders, the religious leaders among the people. If he's the Messiah, hey, let him come down from the cross and we'll believe in him. Even the, the public among the Jews who are observing Jesus said, oh, he saved others. Let him save himself now. And then, of course, we read about two robbers, one on the right of Jesus and one on the left. And they said, listen, if you're the Messiah, well, save us. Save yourself too. You see the contempt, you see the, the mockery, and then there's, there's also Pilate who affixed that, that sign above Jesus in a spirit of contempt against the Christ and against the Jews. Yeah, yeah, this is Jesus of Nazareth, king of the Jews, a criminal like so many other that are crucified on this spot. And that sign was there for everybody to read. I mean everybody. I don't know if you notice this in the, in the reading that I just read here, but the, the sign that Pilate fixed above the head of Jesus was written in three different languages. Now, this, this account that I read from my Bible um, regarding the, the sign that was placed above Jesus' head, all four Gospels, that is, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the first four books of the New Testament, which describe the life and the ministry, but also the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, they all describe a sign, or at least make a statement, that a sign was placed above Jesus' head. But only John, in his account, adds this detail, that it was written in three different languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. Aramaic was the language of the Jews. Latin was the language of the state, of the, of officially of the Roman Empire. The language of jurisprudence, of the legal system. And then also what you have is you have a, the language of Greek. Sign was written in Greek, which was the language of the prevailing culture, especially among pagans, not the Jews, but the pagans. So really, if you think about it, the sign was written in the language of those from Jerusalem, Athens, Greece, Rome, Italy. 
the places of influence intellectually and in terms of power and, and influence in this world, written in, in the language of all these cities, all these cultures. Indeed, my point is, is that when people were around the cross at that time, God himself ensured that when people would look at that sign, they would understand, here you go, here is Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. That's rather interesting here and, and somewhat ironic is that if you think about it, when we envision Jesus on the cross being crucified, he appears as the great victim, does he not? But if you think about it, Jesus has the final word, doesn't he? The final word on what is written on that simple sign. Yes, as I noted, Jesus was shamed. He was shamed from the standpoint of the Roman soldiers. He was shamed from the standpoint of the robbers, of the religious leaders, of, of, of the people themselves, and also Pilate. And yet he gets the last word in with the sign where Jesus says, this is who I am. I'm actually king of the Jews. Hey, look at the sign. Look at the sign. You can read it for yourself. Yes, Jesus gets the final word. And what's rather interesting is that when you take a look at the passage and when you read, and when you, when you read about the trial of Jesus and the difficulties of Jesus, and then you read about the interactions that Jesus has with Pilate, and then we come to the point where it's Pilate who, because of his governor's authority, is the one who places the, has the sign placed above Jesus' head. He is the one who seems in complete control. It's Pilate who rules over the Jewish people. It's Pilate who rules over this certain geographical region as governor. It's Pilate who is in charge of the courts at this point, who can give Jesus life or give him death. Indeed, it's Pilate who seems to be completely in control as the one ordering, yes, I want this sign with this exact wording on, on above the cross, above Jesus' head. But fascinating, is it not, that in the end, it's really Pilate who is an unwitting tool in the hands of Christ. And God desires that that sign proclaim this very truth, that whatever people may think, the truth of the matter is, Jesus is king. He is king of the Jews indeed. Jesus is king of of the world. Many presidents, many prime ministers, many so-called kings, many rulers today, but not one of them stands in supreme authority over the Christ. He is, as the Bible says, the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And it's this very king who reaches out to each and every one of us tonight and he calls us to embrace him and he calls us to heed his call upon our lives and the call basically is this. Jesus says, don't stand with the world. Don't stand with the contempt of the world. Don't stand with those who would shame me or push me to the margins of life. Bring me, bring me to the center of your life and Jesus says, come. Come to me as needy sinners in, in need of a gracious Savior. And come to me as a needy people in need of a benevolent king. 
And if you do, you will find that there's no one more benevolent and no one more forgiving and no one more willing to put you on a new path than I am. Yes, it's Jesus who says to us tonight from this podium, but also in the Lord's Supper that we are going to come forward for in just a moment. He says, yes, come and see that I am benevolent and gracious and good, and I am your king, your king. Join me with a brief prayer, and then we're going to come to the table. Heavenly Father, Lord, we have had many readings. We have many times to reflect on the scriptures and in song. Lord, after this brief meditation, really on this very important passage, which reveals to us who Jesus truly is, and that is the Lord of lords and the King of kings, indeed, the very one of whom the great Abraham Kuyper said, there is not one square inch of all of created reality where Christ does not say, it's mine, it belongs to me. Lord Jesus, we recognize you as king. But we also recognize you as our crucified savior whose life was given so that our sins could be removed and we could be restored to you by faith in him. So we pray now that you bless the remainder of this worship service and especially that your spirit would accompany us as we celebrate the Lord's Supper together, as we remember what Jesus Christ has done in giving his body and giving his blood for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.